Stems no seeds that you don't need. Acapulco Gold is badass weed. Yo, this is the Jugga Jugga Genius, and I got the Brother Prince Rock King on the side. You know, we got the Cess Bones in the house, and yo, God, I'm gonna pass you the ball. Pass the ball, can't pass the ball. Pass the ball, can't pass the ball. Pass the ball, can't pass the ball. This is the first edition of the Wu-Tang Podcast. It's me, Artic, the almighty AR in the building, and I'm alongside... Singer Superior. And um, you may know us from the Channel 10 Podcast, but we decided to branch off and delve into um, what I would consider to be... Um, the most iconic, influential rap group of all time, uh, the Wu Tang Clan. Would you agree? Uh, yes, I would. So it's crazy because the Wu Tang they have so many different, like they have so many different branches and offshoots. I mean, talking about a group of nine people who all have their own crews, who all come out with albums as well. So there's so much to delve into here. Um, so, you know, we decided to just get it started off with some of the prehistory of the Wu-Tang because there were some albums from some members that came out before Wu-Tang even started. Um, so this first episode, we're going to get into words from the genius, from the Jizza slash genius. And, um, this album was put out on Cold Chillin' Records in on uh, February 19th, 1991. So I think 36 Chambers came out in 93, right? Yeah. And um, for those who don't know, Jizza is the cousin of the RZA and the cousin of the old Dirty Bastard. And um, before the Wu-Tang started, um, Jizza dropped this album on Cold Chillin' Records and RZA, um, and we'll get into this as well, um, he dropped... Uh, what was it called? Ooh, we love you, Prince Rakim. Uh, Ooh, we love you, Rakim. Yeah, Ooh, we love you, Rakim. Uh, I think that might have been on Cold Chilling as well. That was, was a it? Tommy Boy. That was a Tommy Boy. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, the earliest form of Wu Tang was a group called All In Together Now, which was RZA, Jizza, and the Old Dirty Bastard before they got all the other members. But um. We're going to get into this words from the genius um, by the Jizza. Um, so I guess, you know, this album came out in 91. It's 2016 now. Clearly it's dated. But, you know, what are your thoughts on the album? Uh, I would, I mean, I think the album um, is essentially a, like a really clear product of its time. Um, you know, it's 91, kind of still in that, you know, in that mode of golden age hip hop. Um, you know, it kind of comes out um, around the time where we kind of see that that transition towards that, that East Coast Renaissance. So uh, this comes out, I believe, the same year as like the Low End Theory um, and stuff like that. But you know, yet and still, it still has that legacy, that cold chilling records legacy. And that's what, and that's how it sounds. Yeah. Um, it just kind of sounds like a Big Daddy Kane record that just wanted to be a part of <laughs> at certain <laughs> at certain points. I would say. Yeah, 
I would agree. Um, I think the thing that kind of throws it off, and what's interesting is, you know, this album came out three different times. So, um, and each time it was different. So, um, I'm speaking from the original. And the uh, first edition that came out had a song, um, what was it called? Uh, Please Do Me. Um, that's another thing about this album that we have to talk about is that it's not available on any streaming services, but it is available on YouTube. So I don't know what's up with that. Um, because, you know, people do want to go back, especially now that music is so accessible. People want to go back and listen to uh, things that they might not have ever heard before. So I'm on my title and then I go to Apple Music and um, I don't see um, this album. So I had to go to YouTube and you know, maybe get some inferior audio quality, but that's a whole nother story. But the first track, Come Do Me. Um, and we think of the Jizza, the genius Zigzag Ziggalaw or whatever his name is. You don't necessarily think of a song called Come Do Me. Um, now, you know, to be honest, I'm a, I'm a big Jizza fan, but I never actually delved into this album before and I read some reviews about it before I listened to it and people were talking about how bad it was how bad this song is but I actually like this song like I feel like like you said this album is a product of its time and this song is a product of its time and when I heard Come Do Me it made me feel like I was watching the house party movies again (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I yeah, I can I can see that. Um and then the uh the guy who made the beat, I believe his name is Jesse Williams and mm-hmm. um yeah, so that's the same guy who went on to do stuff for uh Biggie and um some other people. I think Biggie, right? Jesse Williams. Uh, I'm not familiar with Jesse I know Easy Mo B who had a big impact on the album, he did. Uh, Jesse Williams might have There's a lot of people You know On Bad Boy Who don't necessarily Get their name In the credits All the time But um, It's very possible Um, But this record It kind of had Like a New Jack Swing Type thing to it Um, A lot of people said It didn't really sound Wu-Tang-ish Which it doesn't But at the same time There's some There's like this Horn sample in it Which Is kind of reminiscent Of a Wu-Tang record but don't get it confused I know this is a Wu-Tang podcast but this album the words from the genius is not a Wu-Tang record and you can look on the album cover and you can see that yeah that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's true but like, then hold on hold on wait I, I'm looking at the album cover right now and you know what I just came to the conclusion of Compare this album cover to Drake's album cover. Uh, Drake, what was it? Uh, Take care. No, 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 no. Thank me later. Yeah. Yo, the similarity. No, my bad. It is take care. Drake, take care. Album cover. Yo, the similarity is there. Like. From the colors and everything, you you see it. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I can I can see that in like the way he's leaning over the same way like Drake did over like the goblet or whatever that was that he had in his hand. Yeah. Well, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, come on, man, Drake at one point said that Willie Willie the Kid was his was his favorite rapper, but he said a lot of the dark man. So I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if he actually listened to this album and got inspired by the album cover. That's true. I mean, that is true. I mean, he takes the influences from, you know, you know, um, a lot of different places. And, you know, Jizza is not a bad one. Um, and when it comes to this album, uh, lyrically, you know, he seems to be, be pretty on point as the same type of Jizza. Like, even though it doesn't sound like Wu-Tang production-wise... You know, he's still doing his Jizza thing. Maybe not to the full extent that you see on Liquid Swords, but um, you definitely see him dropping some of the 5% knowledge on there. And, um, you know, he's kicking a lot of battle-type rhymes and things like that. You look at Phony As You Wanna Be and True Fresh MC and The Genius Is Slamming. Um... Who's your rhyming hero? Which is something that you know has popped up on on Wu Tang albums that have uh, come out, you know, after this. Who's your rhyming hero? Wu Tang rules again. I forget what song that's from, but I remember that on one of their songs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. So you have a point that it does it, it is Jizza esque, and you know this in you know in regards to his style, but. You know, it's, and you know, if, if anyone has ever listened to the Channel 10 podcast, I always talk about how there's this fine line between being corny and being, you know, kind of, you know, walking that line between being corny or being like, you know, really clever when it comes to, you know, being like moralistic in, 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 a, in, a, in a sense. And Jizza does not do that correctly here because he doesn't really like, you know, he doesn't, you know, use his art of storytelling like how he doesn't, um, you know, some years later in Liquid Swords. Yeah. To really get his to get his points across. So when you have like, what was it called? Like uh, Super Freak or um, uh, Phony as a Wannabe or, or 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 the original Life of a Drug Dealer, mm-hmm. which is, is which is actually terrible. Um, <laughs> yo, he was saying some wild stuff on man. I was like, yo, <laughs> someone like chopping. Like it was it, it was almost horrorcore, but the beat wasn't horrorcore, so you can't really classify it as that because. You can listen to it and not get that vibe. Yeah. Yes, yeah, true. And then you know, it's just it's a bit because you know, like um, I I listened to the '94 re-release on YouTube because they didn't have the original '91 release on YouTube that I found, and so so you know, so come like you said, come do me wasn't even on the '94 re-release, but it reappeared again in, in the 2006 release. And the and- reason for that was because I think some other label had taken over a cold chilling. And when the Wu-Tang actually dropped, they still had the rights to this album. So what they did was, I think they had some unreleased track that RZA produced. And they just put that shit on there. Mm. And tried to sell it. And it still didn't sell. I mean, well, I, I would say that's... I mean, it was smart because, I mean, uh, Past the Bone is, is pretty Wu-Tang-esque anyway. I mean, you know, it's kind of like an early glimpse of, you know, what... Of what we were, you know, what we want to get, and then even during this time when he was doing Prince Rakim and even like dealing with, 
uh, you know, Jizz's album, you know, he was he was making he was working on um, demos for Raekwon and Method Man at, at the time also. Mm. Um, and then also um, the person who made Come Do Me um, is Jesse West. And that's the same guy who made uh, Exhibits What You See Is What You Get. Yo, you know what's crazy is like when you look at the production on this album, like yo, he's on cold chilling records with Big Daddy Kane and Bismarck E. Right, maybe they felt like they had to follow a certain formula to make money, but like, yo, Jizzy even said in an interview, he was like, I'm proud of this album. So I did, you know, basically the lyrics were tight, but the beats were whack. But Easy Mo B did a bulk of the production as well. And Easy Mo B was an influence. You know, he, you know, did a lot of Ready to Die for Biggie. And I like pretty much all the production on Biggie's album. So it's kind of interesting to see where these people first started from. Um, and I tried to find something from Easy Moby talking about this album, but I couldn't find anything. And I guess I can kind of see why. But, <laughs> um, you know, this is a part of history that is, you know, frequently overlooked. And so I do think that. You know, we do need to talk about words from the genius um, as a part of hip hop history because Wu Tang is such a big part of hip hop history. And uh, you know, get to the origins of Wu Tang music, you you kind of have to start with words from the genius. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of put the batteries, for especially in Jizz's bag, but you know, to kind of get the ball moving and to you know and to come up with that, you know, with that. Uh, that revolutionary plan at the time yeah. uh you know when it came to that one big record deal with loud records and then giving each individual member the option to to get their own deals with other labels and stuff like that yeah i mean because you know both jizza and rizza who are part of the same family came out with albums um independently on two different labels Tommy boy and cold chillin didn't necessarily work out the best but they had that industry experience and so they got a whole bunch of other dudes and they did their thing from there um and you know um you know and then you know the next five six albums that they all worked on are all considered to be hip-hop classics um now this album i'm not gonna say it's a hip <laughs> I'm not gonna say the hip hop classic, um, but you know, compared to some of the reviews that I read online, I'm not gonna say that it's as bad as what people try to say it is. I mean, it's it's a product of its time, and it's not timeless. So what you get is what you get. So like I was saying before we started recording. Um, and I think Come Do Me is good because, you know, coming from 2016, when I hear that song, I think of um, Kid and Play and I think of House Party. And so I get into a house party mindset and then I'm ready to hear the type of shit that's coming next. So I'm already in that 80s type of mode where I can appreciate what's going on in this time frame where you know somebody who might be whose ear is more tuned to future and whoever else said or kendrick 
you know, they might just hear this and be completely turned off. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. Like, I, I have tried and tried and tried again to uh, try to get into, like, golden age hip-hop, and I just can't. I mean, the only thing I can really get into, like, really, I, mean, I think it's, like, the best album out of, like, out of the golden ages, like, Schooly D's album. But, um, but you know, I, I think I mean, what do you consider them to be golden age? Uh, I mean, doesn't it start from, like, 90, like 80, 83, 84, something like that, to, like, 92 or something? I, th- I mean, I think 83 might be a bit early, but like, I think of the iconic Golden Age albums, uh, Golden Age albums for me, you know, especially, you know, me coming much later and doing my research in the hip hop. Um, for me, it's KRS One, The Blueprint to Hip Hop. It's uh, Big Daddy Kane, Long Live the Kane. Um, it's the early Rock Kim and Eric B. Al- or Eric B. and Rock Kim albums. Um, you know, it's the it's the albums from that time that 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 stand the test of time. You know, like I mean, did you ever listen to um Karras on the Blueprint of Hip Hop? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just that I don't really like the format. Like the songs are too long for me. Like um, like EPMD's album, like EPMD albums, mm-hmm. longest songs up. I mean, one thing you know, one thing about words from the genius that I noticed, um, and this is something I noticed when I was younger listening to hip hop that isn't the case now. It's like they would do the song, and then the beat would play for like a minute and a half after, (laughs) (laughs) like, (laughs) and you know, when I first started doing music, that's how I formatted my songs. Is you know, it would be. You know, a 16 bar verse, or maybe the hook will come first. So you may have an 8 bar hook, 16 bar verse, 8 bar hook, 16 bar verse, 8 bar hook, 16 bar verse. And then you do three 8 bar hooks after that, and then you let the beat play for like 16 to 24 more bars. <laughs> mm. Now you may like the hook play like three more times and then let the beat play. Oh, uh,. You know, I don't know what the what the science is behind that versus now and what the transition was, but I do know that that was, you know, that's something that I definitely noticed in a lot of songs. I mean, well, I would say that, you know, it's, I mean, you know, gold, well, golden, well, 80s hip hop is, or 80s and early 90s hip hop was more danceable. Like all of it seemed more, it's kind of like the disco era for hip hop to me. Ain't, uh, I mean, that's interesting. Um, now, I saw a headline recently and I saw somebody describing it. I didn't actually watch the actual video, but um, it was Daylight, you know, uh, the battle rapper Daylight. Yeah. And he was basically saying that Rock Kim fucked hip hop up because. Hip hop was originally some simple ass lyrics with some simple ass beats and him adding all this complexity changed it from what it was originally supposed to be, which is some dance and party music. I mean, hey, uh, um, well, I can't think of his name right now, but, uh, you know, the, the creator of hip hop who was on Combat Jack show. Oh, cool. Hurt. 
Yeah, Cool Herb. Yeah, he said that, that Lil Wayne was his, was uh, his favorite. His favorite rapper. rapper. Yeah. Yeah, and he says because I mean he pretty much you know said the same things because you know hip hop is supposed to be fun and whatever else party rap. It's not supposed to be complex and all of this other kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean it's interesting because then I heard something else recently um, where somebody was like saying something like that is like saying like I'm good with Windows 95 (laughs) 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 it's 2016 but you know what I'm good with Windows 95 right now and I feel I I feel that argument as well like you know things things do take a turn Um, and I think the complexity of it I don't know like you know when I you know my introduction to hip hop it was something that was very complex and very dense and um you know that's something that the Jizza definitely brought especially on liquid swords but you can see the the the, the, the uh, glimpses of it here um on the words from the genius but you know when i first really started getting into hip-hop you know it was oh big l cannabis eminem big pun you know, Nas, Razkaz, like, um, who else? You know, um, random dudes from the early internet when everybody had 56K. <laughs> you know, random ass dudes from Japan or something like that. But, um, you know, people really got into this whole poetic type of thing and then you had the whole poetry scene that started popping off um and then you had you know your sage francis's and um black ice who eventually got deal with def jam and um my man uh talam ac um, i met him a couple times shout out to him and you you know you had this poetry hip-hop complex lyrics type of thing but no, that's not Sugar Hill Gang. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know. Well, well, when it comes to uh, words from the genius, um, how many mics would you give it? Ah man, I give it a good three. Okay. Strong three. I mean. I think that, um, you know, his lyrics are kind of entertaining. Even now, you know, I look at it, I say, oh, I see what you were doing. And if I, and I try to put myself back at that time and I'll be like, oh shit, this dude's really spitting. Uh, the beats, I mean, it's 2016 right now, you know, we got motherfucking, who's a pop? Who's the most poppins producer right now? Um, I don't That's know. A really good question. No, maybe Metro Boomin. Yeah, we got Metro Boomin. We got Zaytoven. We got we got DJ Premier. You gotta think this is before. Well, it's not really before DJ, uh, DJ Premier, but it's before that that classic DJ Premier sound. Yeah, about to say, cause Step in the, I think Step in the Arena came out doing this, uh, doing in the same year, I think. Yeah, and that's what tripped me out when I did my gangster research relatively recently. I was like, damn, they were out back then. But um. Yeah. 
put yeah um, this is this is pre just blaze this is pre ninth wonder this is pre alchemist this is pre havoc you know, this is pre uh, pre a certain era of dr dre this is pre motherfucking you know this is a lot of people i'm trying to think when did dr dre first start producing but I think NWA came out in the 80s, right? Yeah. Yeah, it came out in the 80s, yeah. I think they were like, what, their third? Because NWA came out with um, an album in 91, too. Yeah, so, like, that's another thing that I said before we started this. That song, Come Do Me, that song sounded like, yo, if Snoop was on that record, or, or if some West Coast dudes were on that, and they added, like, a little bit of West Coast to that, that song could have been the joint. But unfortunately, it wasn't. And unfortunately, the album didn't do shit, but it did lay some type of foundation for some people to, you know, assemble nine niggas to form like Voltron. Um, and even Jizza even mentioned some of them on this album, even though he didn't have any features, but he did mention uh, Rizza, ODB, and Divine. Um, I think it was Divine. But basically, he mentioned somebody else who was some type of manager with them. So, um, you know, this is the earliest formation of the Wu-Tang. So this album definitely, um, even though it's not a classic, wouldn't put it amongst anything else. Um, and to be honest, it would definitely be forgotten about um, if it weren't for... You know the contributions that the person who made the album made to hip hop. You know, did after this album, but because of those contributions, we have to look back to it, and it is part of the hip hop canon, and it's something to look at and to be studied. Word from the genius. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah. Um. I don't know. That's our thoughts on. Words from the Genius by the Jizza slash Genius. Um, you can check out Jizza's new song, The Spark. Yeah, uh, have you heard that? Uh, no, not yet. I was curious to see what he was up to, and then um, I just discovered it t- earlier today. Yeah, man, that song is pretty ill. Um, it's you know he's really on his science stuff, inspired by Neil deGrasse Tyson, I guess. Um, He's doing this thing in that realm and, you know, definitely focused on expanding science, to, you know, general humanity. So, you know, much kudos to him for that. And, um, you know, people definitely got to get their science up. So, yeah, listen to the Jizza, you know, check out this album just to see where, you know, the origins of the Wu-Tang, you know, came from. Yeah. And um, I think I think we pretty much got our thoughts out. Do you have any final thoughts? Uh, nah, no, nah, nah, I don't have that much to say about this album. Um, I think I've said everything I got to say. All right. So uh, next up, I think we'll do uh, "We Love You, Rakim." Uh, we also have to do "Grave Diggers," and then after that, I think of course it's "36 Chambers," the big one. Um, so, you know, hopefully we got listenership up on this podcast. Um, 
you know, through these first pre-Wu-Tang albums where, you know, we'll do a big thing for 36 Chambers. And um, in the meantime, check out Channel 10 Podcast, channel10podcast.com. Log on, subscribe, like, rate, and comment on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever else you hear your um, podcast from. And um, channel10podcast.com, wutangpodcast.com, and we out. Cheese. No stems, no seeds that you don't need. Acapulco Gold is badass weed. Yo, this is the Jugga Jugga Genius, and I got the brother Prince Rock King on the side. You know, we got the Cess Bones in the house, and yo, God, I'm going to pass you the ball. Pass the ball, can't pass the ball. Pass the ball, can't pass the ball. Pass the ball, can't pass the ball. Pass the ball, the locker ball and a rock ball. Rocky was feeling lovely, while the pocket full of dough. A little drunk, the axe is mad slow. Bacon, should I go to the club sick? And do what? And back up, 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 Quaid. Another thing, beyond the cream, I wanted to get ripped. Put my lips on a brunt tip. It's been two weeks since the last score. She went down to the club floor. Five dollar fee, plus ID. But a brother like me, gas is waiting.